Let's bow our heads in prayer before we begin. Dear kind Heavenly Father, now we ask you to come speak to our hearts, open up our minds that we might receive things from you, especially made for this day and this time. We believe in you, we trust you, and ask for your help that you might open our hearts to receive the things of Christmas as we gather today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our text is in Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel chapter number one for our Christmas text this morning. Tried to think as far back as I could to my earliest memories of Christmas. It's sort of a strange memory. (laughs) My father, of course, came from Norway, and he said that in Norway, uh, all the Christmas activities were done on Christmas Eve. And so I remember on Christmas Eve when I was very young, he went out to get a Christmas tree. And my brother and my sister and I went along to help. We followed Dad through the bushes. We followed him through the swamp. We followed him through the snow, out to some place where out in the middle of nowhere, uh, where we found a small Christmas tree, and we cut it down and started the long walk back home. And all I remember is being exhausted by the time we got home. Dad got out. (laughs) This is a vivid memory, too. He got out a five-gallon metal bucket. And he filled it with cement and then added water. He stuck the tree into the bucket of wet cement. Of course, it wouldn't stand up in wet cement. So he got two big spikes, big ones. And he nailed one in the window next to the side of the tree and the other one on the other side of the tree And uh, then he got some wire, and I remember it was really thick, heavy wire. He wrapped it around the trunk of that Christmas tree at about four feet high, which was eye level to me. And uh, he wrapped one around the one nail, the other one around the other nail. It was the ugliest thing I ever saw. (laughs) And my mother agreed with that. Of course, when the cement finally did dry, it sucked every bit of moisture out of the tree so the needles were falling off two or three days later. You see, my father wasn't what you'd call a handyman. and was not his gift. <laughs> so it was rather an ordeal for him to mix the cement, nail the spikes into the wall. <laughs> my mother was patient, tried to put a good face on it. Of course, uh, dragging out the dead tree was rather difficult with a five-gallon bucket of cement attached to it. All in all, it was just sort of a disaster. The following Christmas, my brother became the family hero when he took two two two-by-fours, nailed them together, ran a huge spike up the middle so the tree would stand on the spike. No cement, my mother praised his ingenuity. No clothesline size wire in the window, spiked there to the window frames. Oh yes, he was the family hero. And those are the earliest memories I have of Christmas in the Olsen home. All things 
have a beginning, don't they? And the very first Christmas also had a beginning. It started a certain way. From ancient times, God had spoken to leaders like Moses and Samuel and David. And God spoke to prophets like Elijah and Isaiah and Ezekiel. But then came the last prophet, Malachi. And then for 400 years, God was silent. The nation of Israel struggled. God was silent. There was no voice of the prophets, no voice of kings, no leaders, and no one heard God's voice. The Romans came and took over the nation of Israel, and still no word from God. And finally, the silence is broken. Not by a king, not by a leader, a priest or a prophet, but rather by an angel. A messenger sent directly from God to break a 400-year silent spell. So let's see what the angel said and who he spoke to. Luke chapter 1, I begin reading at verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. So we meet an older couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, described as blameless before the Lord, righteous, or that is, they always made good choices. They always did the right thing because they tried to do the will of God. They were a special couple. Both of them were descended from the family of the priests, which was unusual. Moses' brother Aaron had been the first high priest years and years before. His descendants grew into several different family lines, as families do. Abiah was one of uh, Aaron's grandchildren, and that family line was traced back hundreds of years and the different families divided into what are called courses, or basically family groups, close relatives. And there were 24 different families, 24 courses, that served as priests in the temple. And they took turns, came and served, did priest work in the temple. So Zechariah's family is now doing their duty, serving in the temple for a few weeks. That's what time that they had to serve. Most of the priests who served in the temple lived in Jerusalem or Jericho, which are two main cities for priests. But Zechariah and Elizabeth lived way up in the mountains of Judah, away from everyone, quiet country folk, away from the noise and business of city life. Now in each family, there was about 50 priests who were called to do the work of the temple. When it was their turn, their course came. They sacrificed animals, 
They led services. They led prayers. They sang songs. Whatever the service requires. Now it just happens in the fall, in the harvest time, when this took place, many people came to worship God and praise God for the harvest. So it's a very busy time at the temple. Verse number 8. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So it was Zechariah actually, it says, drew a straw The work of the temple was sometimes hard work, sometimes not so hard. Sacrifices were a lot of hard work, but sometimes it was a special job. And in order to be fair, the priests drew straws or cast lots for each job. And no one can say, I get all the dirty work, because you just get whatever your lot turns up. And nobody can say, he's treated special, because they cast lots for it. And so they drew straws, so it was an entirely random, or appears that way. You can't ever be random with God, my friend. But it certainly appeared that by random, he was chosen. And one of the most privileged jobs that a priest could choose by lot was to burn incense on a little altar of incense. The temple was set up with a holy place and a holy of holy place where only priests could go. And uh, in all divided by very thick curtains. In the holy place, as you entered in yourself through the curtain, uh, over on the right of you was a table with 12 loaves of bread. On the left of you was a golden candlestick Uh, fed by oil that burned continually. And in the center, right in front of you, a small altar made of brass used to burn incense. To be chosen to burn incense was a very great privilege. Now, they put it this way. You had to have seen 60 snows (laughs) <laughs> or that is you had to be at least 60 years old in order to be allowed to burn the incense. And when the lot fell on you to burn incense, it was a once-in-a-lifetime event. It never would happen again. So Zacharias, an older man, seen 60 snows, at least, is chosen by lot to burn incense on the altar. It's the only time he will ever do this job. It's a part of a very special worship service. At the appropriate time in the temple, priests blew these huge, loud horns, and they said you could hear them over half the city of Jerusalem. And people gathered out in the courtyard at a large gathering place of acres and acres. And they were there to say prayers to God. The whole congregation, which could be well into the hundreds and even thousands, would kneel down on the ground and with their faces down to the ground, say prayers, 
giving thanks for harvest, asking God for favors. When everyone was down, saying their prayers, Zacharias would enter into the holy place with two friends, two of his relatives. One of the ones that he brought in would clear off the altar of any residue left from another time so it was clean, and then leave. The second friend would pour over the top of that altar now hot coals. And then he left. And then with all the people praying out in the courtyard, down on their knees and faces, Zacharias was to take the incense, dump it onto the hot coals, and when it burned, of course the smoke would rise And the people could see the smoke rising out of an open spot in the ceiling. Of course, it represented that their prayers were rising up to God like incense does up to God. So all the people are down on their knees and faces saying prayers. The first helper comes out. The second helper comes out. And the next thing we watch for is smoke. But no smoke. He's alone in there. It's his job. Pour the incense on the hot coals. When the smoke rises, the service is over. Because there's no smoke. Obviously, hundreds of people are now watching and waiting. No smoke. Inside the curtain, something has happened. Verse 11. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. Zacharias is all alone and suddenly over by the golden lampstand, somebody's standing there. And he just appeared out of nowhere. He's not human, whoever he is. Humans can't just appear out of nowhere. He's got to be an angel. Never in the history of the entire world had an angel appeared by the golden lampstand. There was no information to go on. Zacharias freezes with fear. Who wouldn't, huh? This isn't a part of the service. So the angel speaks, verse 13. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Don't be afraid. Angels always say that. You'll see whenever they appear, they always say that. Of course, if someone appears out of thin air, it's naturally going to make you a little nervous, to say the least. 
But the angel says, don't be afraid. And I love what he says, your prayers have been heard. What prayer? Well, Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for children. They didn't get it. But now, it says they are past childbearing years. After all, he's at least 60, probably older. And it's highly likely that their prayers had stopped. It's too late. No children. God didn't answer. But the angel said, God heard your prayers. Even if you stop praying them. And you will have a son. First, you will name him John. Second, you're going to be happy. <laughs> Third, he's going to be a great man. So raise him in a special way. Dedicate him to God before he's ever born. He will turn people to God. And he will prepare them to get ready to meet God. I wonder if the angel had a smile on his face. I wonder if the angel spoke in soft pleasant tone after all he said your prayers are answered you're going to be happy now my friends that's a lot to take in now, you can say all those words the angel said in 10 seconds and I suppose Zechariah couldn't get over the very first thing that the angel said. Your prayers are answered. Zacharias had long since stopped praying because his prayers weren't answered. And he and Elizabeth had no children. Now they're old, well over 60. Too old for children. So unable to grasp it all. He makes an answer to the angel. Verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is well stricken in years. Zechariah says, I know the facts. It's too late. So, so, how will I know this is really true? Oops. <laughs> you ever say something you shouldn't? I did it right from here before, okay? <laughs> Whoops. Zachariah says, prove this to me. What you say, what's going to happen? What you say? So give me a sign. Whoops, that wasn't the best thing to say. At all. Verse 19. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and show thee these glad tidings. Oh no. <laughs> Who knew it was Gabriel? His name means the strength of God. 
And Zacharias knows his history. It's the very same angel that spoke to the prophet Daniel 600 years earlier. One of God's special messengers. Wow, I didn't know who he was standing there by the altar. I had no idea it was Gabriel. Verse 20. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Not able to speak until the day these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my word, but shall be fulfilled in their season. The people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. They perceived he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. You want a sign? Here's one for you. You will not be able to speak until my words come true. Then I suppose Gabriel just disappeared. Same way he appeared, he disappeared. And Zacharias said, he didn't say anything. Can't talk. I'm sure he wanted to say, wait a minute. At least he tried to say it. Nothing came out. Stunned. Frightened. Baffled. What do I do now? What do I do next? I better pray to God. And I'm sure he prayed. I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry. A son. And I'm so sorry. Great in the eyes of God. And oh, I'm so sorry. He'll be preparing people to meet God. And he poured out his prayers and his asking for forgiveness. And he opened up his heart. And then he took that incense and he poured it on the altar. And the smoke went up along with his prayers up through. As he turns and finally walks out, he comes out from behind the curtain. Hundreds. Hundreds of people are staring at him, waiting for him. Tries to speak, but no words. The people know he's seen a vision from God. Now let's move ahead six months to verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Apparently, Gabriel here just stopped by the house. Walked in. A little bit different. Place where Mary's staying comes in. Why do we think that? Because she's not afraid. She's looking like a person coming in the door. No fear. Verse 29. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She just thinks when he says that, she just thinks, who's he talking to? Highly favored. That's not me. That's not me. Verse 30. 
The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give to him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary asked a question too, like Zacharias. She says, How can I have a child I'm not married? You see, Zacharias says, It's too late for having babies. Mary says, It's too early for having babies. So Gabriel explains in verse 35, The angel answered, said unto the Holy Ghost, shall come upon thee. Power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Mary answers in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the hand made of the Lord, beat unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. At first look, it appears that Zacharias and Mary both answered the same way. How can I have a baby? Zacharias says it's too late. Mary says it's too early. But let's look a little more closely. Exactly what Zacharias says is how will I know this is true? Or give me a sign, prove to me that this is true with a sign. Mary believes. And she says, so be it. Does she understand it all? No. We don't even understand it all. We can't explain the power of God overshadowing Mary. But she believes that. Now, Zacharias, is he a good man? Oh, yes. Is he blameless before God? That's what it says. Yes, he is. It's a lot to take in a 10-second speech standing by the candlestick in the holy place. True enough. But, Stop for a minute and think with me. Where did it happen? By the golden candlestick in the temple. By an angel who identifies himself as Gabriel. And it's explained to him, this is going to make you happy. And Zechariah should have said, thank you. Praise the Lord, what he should have said. It would have been perfect. But he didn't. And now, he cannot speak. My friends, do you see what this is all about? God, after being silent for 400 years, has spoken. And God chose a very special time to speak. Hundreds of people bowed in prayer outside in the temple. 
Incense about to be burned, which represents prayers rising up to God. It is the beginning of Christmas. It's where it started. Zechariah opened the door to a whole new world and held that door. God was about to do something brand new that he'd never done before. He was sending his son to earth in human form to establish something new. The Bible calls it a new and a living way, a new kingdom based on faith. Believe in God down in your heart. Believe. And as Zechariah opens the door to that wonderful kingdom, he does not believe. This new thing God will do must be believed. So Zacharias is struck down, punished with silence. My friends, Christmas is a time to believe. I see signs around this time of year with just one word it says believe that's not quite enough for me I look at that one word believe and I want to know believe what what do you mean believe believe what that God has come to us believe that he has extended his hand to us Believe that he asked you to trust him. That he asked you to believe in him. You say, but sometimes it's hard. He asked you to have faith. If there ever was a time when we need to believe, my friends, it's these days which we're living in. We don't know what to do. We don't know and it just doesn't make sense anymore. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. So Merry Christmas. God opened a new door. Zechariah stood at the door. Not believing. Will you believe in him with all your heart today? Let this be a Christmas that stands for you. It's something that I believe with all my heart. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, bless us. Call us out. Find out if we believe. You've told us great things. You've promised us wonderful things. And now we're called out to at this time. Do you believe? Do you believe in me? We want to say yes with all our hearts. For everything that you promise and everything that you are, we believe with all our hearts. So build our faith in this season that we may open that door to that new thing and do it believing like Mary and say to God, whatever you want, I'll do it. Bless us, Lord, as we trust in you and learn to find such strength in God 
in this wonderful time of the year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, if you will, to hymn number 385. 385, standing as we sing in closing. 385, what child is this? Standing as we sing in closing. 385, what child is this? Page 385. pray that our hearts would be ready to believe, believe that you have sent your son in an act of love for us, that we might just believe in you, as is something as simple as that, that we might believe and know that you have come to forgive us of our sins, and that we have, might have a different eternity forever because of that belief is the greatest love ever shown to this world. And Lord, we need love in this world better than we've ever needed it, more than we've ever needed it right now. So we pray that our hearts would be ready to love. We pray that we would be witnesses out there for those who know, who do not know what the love of God is. And may we show the love of God. We thank you for this. We ask for help. 
for all of us as we go out into the world, protect us and be with us, bring us back safely to you, to this place. We ask for your special hand on us at this special time of the year. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.